Well, she was absolutely gorgeous, and I just kept spending more and more time looking at her than, than looking at the work I was supposed to do right in front of me. I was working at a meat market part-time, and she worked across from me. We worked in a giant flea market at the Cheese Barn. And I'm like, well, this is certainly something that's meant to be. And so one Saturday, I walked over to her, and I said, hey, I, I think you're beautiful. I've asked around, and I heard you love Jesus, and that's not a combination you find all the time. So let me take you to dinner. And she said, no. And I looked at her and said fine, I'll go take the walk of shame. And I made her feel bad. And I walked back, and all day, because we worked across from each other, she had to look at me. It was, it was wonderful. Six weeks later, her coworker comes up to me and says, hey, uh, you should ask her out again. I said, you have a really sick sense of humor. And she said, no, really, you should. You should ask her out again. And so I made a decision that, fine. And so I followed my now wife, Brooklyn, out to the parking lot like a complete stalker. But I wasn't going to give her coworker the satisfaction of seeing me shot down for a second time. Once is a noble pursuit. Twice, it's just you're sad. And I walked out to the parking lot, and I said, hey, this is the last time I'm going to ask you, so you better say yes. And that's exactly what I said to her. But let me take you to dinner. And she said, all right. And so the next week, we went to dinner to the spot I took all my first dates, because if anything ever stuck, then you knew where you went on your first date. I mean, don't make it more difficult for yourself. Don't pick different spots. Always take them to the same spot so that if something works out, you've got it. You don't have to think back and be like, now where was, I know exactly where it was, Craven, Akron, Ohio. That's where we went for all our first dates. I made the mistake of talking about that one time in a message that was then put online before we were married, and Brooke heard that, but that's a story for another time. So... <laughs> So we went out to dinner, and uh, really, we, we've been together ever since. You know, what's interesting is people ask all the time about how you met your spouse. People ask all the time about your first date. But I am yet to be asked by anyone, or I am yet to ask anyone, hey, uh, how was your 14th date? You know, it just doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. But we are inclined as individuals, we love something about beginnings. We love something about beginnings. And this morning, we're kicking off something brand new called the beginning, and we're going back to the start. And what we, what we have is this, the, the start of Genesis. It's the foundation of our beginning and also our end. It is the story of God. It's the story of our creation. It's also the story of our destruction, our salvation, and the judgment awaiting. It reveals the nature of God to us and the nature of us. It connects every beautiful thing this world has to offer. It also connects every single moment of despair and loss. It's the story of love and acceptance, meeting betrayal and blame. It is the explanation of existence and the detailed account of why there is longing within us all. So over the course of the, the next few weeks, really, we're going to be diving into the beginning. And this morning, we're going to be jumping all around the place. So I'd really encourage you, if you have your phones or your tablets, to open those up. Download the Bible app if you haven't already. It's a free resource, and it's great. Once you've downloaded and installed the Bible app on your device, there's a feature within the Bible app called Events. If you would go to Events, you can either enable your locations or type in the zip code 54201 and select Lakeside Community Church. If you're like, hey, all that sounds really great, but I don't want to do that right now, we understand. The verse will be available on the screens. And for those of you who are streaming at home, the verses will be available on the screen below. 
as we really dive into the start of the beginning. Now, why is this important? Well, if you've ever wondered why you exist, if you've ever wondered why you exist, if you've ever wondered why the world exists, if you've ever had this just this longing or this questioning in your mind of what is the purpose of all this? Why does this matter? Why does my life matter? Why do the choices that I make matter? This even happen? Why does it exist? If you've ever wondered any of that, we're going to answer those questions. If you've ever, if you've ever wondered why the world is like it is, we're going to answer those questions as well. As, as well. But I want to caution you. At some point in this journey, you're going to get frustrated with me. At some point in this journey, you're going to be like, oh, come on, Brian, give us more. You're going to have questions that I can't answer. And the reason I can't answer them is because God doesn't give us the answer to them. And it's sometimes a very frustrating pursuit because we want to know details that God says you don't need to know. And sometimes that might be God just protecting us from details we don't need to know. Sometimes it's just God is so much greater and so much grander than we are that we would not have the, the capabilities to comprehend all of those truths. But at some point in this journey, you're going to have questions in your mind that say, I need more information. I need to know this. And I'm just going to be like, good luck. Because I'd like to know too. But I don't. So with that disclaimer uh, there, I just, I just want to prepare you for that. And I want to encourage you, let's just... Let's just latch on to what we can know and what we can understand, that which God reveals to us. So how about we start at the beginning as we look at the beginning? It's not going to get worse than that, I promise. All right, Genesis 1.1 says this, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So the first question we have to ask is, well, what's the beginning? What's the beginning? And the answer to that question is, this is our story. This is our story, the story of humanity, the story of everything that we see and everything that we experience. That is the beginning that's talked about here. But notice, there is no beginning for God. That God transcends the beginning. God is before the beginning. He exists before the beginning. And this is something that we can't fully wrap our minds around and we can't fully understand because in one sense, as, as humans and as individuals, we understand this concept of eternity. And there's a longing within all of us to live forever. There's a longing within all of us to, to always exist. It's there because we are created in God's image, and God is eternal. But we can't really wrap our minds around having always been. We can wrap our minds around the desire to always be, but we can't really wrap our minds around the desire to always bend. Now, don't get me wrong. There's certainly events in history that we're like, hey, I'd love to go back and witness that. I'd love to go back and see it. But we can't fully, as individuals, wrap our minds around this idea of having always been. It's a mystery to us. And yet the God who created us is an eternal God, where there is no beginning and there is no end. And we can't fully understand that. So Isaiah 40 talks about, 40 verse 28 talks about this concept. When Isaiah says this, have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. 
Psalm 90, verse 2, goes on to say this, Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. And the first thing we have to understand when we look at our beginning is that we were created and we were designed and everything in this world that we see was created and designed by a God who is everlasting. He is eternal. Which means that God is not bound by the constructs of time. God is not frightened by the crises of our day. We may be. We may see a world that is spinning out of control. We may see things that constantly concern us. And yet that's nothing new in the, in the pages of history. You can go and you can look as civilizations rise and civilizations fall as events that shape the world happen and then there are repercussions from those events, as all of those things play out, what happens? Time continues. I just want to encourage you. You might be facing things that are monumental in your life. You might be at a, at a crossroads. You might be at a place where there, there are a lot of decisions that have to be made and they weigh on your heart and they weigh on your soul and they are heavy and quite frankly, you don't know the answer and you don't know the solution and you are freaking out because your whole world is about to change. And honestly, you don't know whether you're making the right decision or not. And I just want to encourage you that the God we serve is in control. And he's bigger than the crisis of today. And it doesn't shake him. He's not moved. He is firm. He's in control. And he's got this. Just as he has always. That God is everlasting. And God is eternal. And we, we, we have trouble wrapping our minds around this. How can, a God, how can a God exist who's always been? How does that work? God says, you don't need to know that. You don't need to know that. Because how does Genesis 1-1 start? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The story that God wants us to know does not communicate to us the formula for God being an eternal God. Whether that's because we can't comprehend it or God's just like, it's none of your business. Whatever the case may be, we just don't get to, we don't get to understand how it works. We just have to acknowledge it works. And God's eternal. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The next piece of this in the nature of, of God and in, in the relation to our beginning is God's eternal. And we also see from elsewhere in Scripture the makeup of the eternal God. John 1.1 says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now the Word being spoke of in John 1.1 is Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So God is not a singular person, but He is a singular deity. God is not a singular person, but he is a singular deity. And this is, the, this is the belief of the Trinity. 
that in God there is one singular God, but there are the three distinct persons within God. That God the Father is not God the Son, and God the Son is not God the Holy Spirit, and God the Holy Spirit is not God the Father. They are three distinct persons within the Trinity, but they are all God. And they all work together within the, within the form of the Trinity. So what we see here, in the, when, when Genesis 1-1 says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. John 1-1 lets us know that Jesus was part of the creation of the world before he was ever brought into the world. This is fascinating. This is fascinating. God was active even before creation. Even before creation. A few years ago, we were having a Christmas party at our house, and the Christmas party was starting at 6.30. And so it was 5.30. And my wife wasn't back yet, and I'm like, great, I got an hour. And at the time, I had an aquarium. So I start cleaning my aquarium an hour before the Christmas party because I've got time. Like, I've got time to clean the aquarium. I've got time to hop in the shower real quick, be done. I'll be ready by 6.20. That still gives us 10 minutes. My wife gets home shortly after my arms were in the aquarium while I'm still suctioning the water from the gravel out into a bucket. She walks in the house and says, what are you doing? I said, I'm cleaning the aquarium. She was dumbfounded. She said, why would you clean the aquarium? To which I responded, the aquarium isn't going to clean itself. Not the answer she was looking for. <laughs> True, but not the answer she was looking for. She said, why in the world, when there is a party in an hour, would you choose now to clean the aquarium? And I said, well, wouldn't it look nice to have a clean aquarium at the party? She said, but the party starts an hour. I'm like, exactly. She's like, there are things that need to be done before the guests arrive. I thought about saying, like, clean the aquarium, but I just decided to drop it. I just decided to drop it. And I quickly finished. And now she has it in her mind that before we go on vacation or before there's a party at our house or before anything, I always find these, these jobs that are unrelated to what's, what's most urgent in her mind. And I, I don't see it that way. I see it like there's a lot of things that need to be done before we go somewhere. And it's just, it's just one of the tensions that we've learned to manage within our relationship, within our marriage, just a tension that, that we have to manage. But understand that just as there was work that needed to be done at the Christmas party before the guests arrived, there were preparations of God at play before creation. 1 Peter 1.20 gives us just amazing insight on this. Peter pulls back the curtain here for us and gives us just this beautiful glimpse of what God was doing before he created the world, before he created humanity. First Peter says, Jesus was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Do you understand this? Before God created anything, he planned for our redemption. Before God created anything, 
before God created us, before God spoke the world into existence, before God worked in any of those ways, God planned for our redemption. This is the love of our God. That God creates a beautiful world. That He creates humanity in His image. And He loves us enough to give us free will. He loves us enough to give us a choice whether or not we want to follow after God. And God, being an all-knowing God, already knows how this is going to pan out. He already knows how this is going to play out. God already knows before He made humanity the choice humanity was going to make and yet He still loves us and He still created us and He still made this world for us. And He made a way back to the Creator we rebelled against before we were even created. Hebrews 9, 14 says this, How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? This is like throwing the emergency kit into the, into the trunk before you head out on the trip, knowing, well, we're going to blow a tire and we're going to be in a massive wreck on the way, but we're still going to go on the trip. God loves us. And he knows the choices we're going to make. And some of you right now are, are living lives of tension because... You're beating yourself up. Because there, there are things in your past, there may be even things in your present right now that you just can't seem to get a hold on. And there are choices in your life that do not honor God, and you know that there are choices in your life that do not honor God. And, and sometimes you beat yourself up about those choices. Sometimes you throw in the towel and say, I, I, I just can't fix it. I just can't. Some of you are living just, just in the past, and you're constantly looking at all of your failures, and they're just magnified in your mind night after night after night after night. And every morning, it seems like when 3 o'clock rolls around, you're awake, and your thoughts are dancing. I just want to encourage you with this truth. The God who created you, He knew about your addiction. He knew about your affair. He knew about your struggles. He knew about your lies. The God who created you knew all those moments not just before you took your first breath, but before he announced the first word that spoke this world and you into existence. And he thought you were worth dying for.
There are no secrets. There is nothing that God did not know about you and your story. And yet he loves you. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So what do we do with all of this? And how does it impact us? In the weeks to come, we're going to see all, all the details and we're going to unfold all, those, all the things that, that the story of God tell us as God creates everything and God creates humanity and the choices that humanity made. But, but what do we take away from all of this? The first is this, that, that God's eternal. God's eternal and he's bigger. He's bigger than any problem that we have. He's bigger than any situation that we currently face. God is so much greater and so much bigger than any of that. And sometimes we just need to be reminded of that. Sometimes we just need to be reminded that God is bigger than any of this. That He's in control. And we can freak out and we can, we can get nervous about all the things that we see on the news and all the details that we read, but God is bigger than that. That God is bigger than the trends of the day and the passing thought. That He is eternal. And He's bigger than any trend or any problem that we will ever face. The next thing we do with this is understand that God's a creator. God's a creator. One of the greatest tools the enemy has used is to create, is to convince people that a life following God's a boring pursuit. A life following God's a boring pursuit. This is why it's, it's one of my passions, just one of my absolute passions, that we will do everything we can in our power. In Lakeside Littles and Lakeside Kids with Lakeside Students, we will do everything we possibly can in our power to promote just the most fun and active environment we possibly can. Why? Because when I grew up going to church, here's what it was. Sit down and shut up and look at the flannel graph and look at Jesus move on the flannel graph a little bit, and don't say anything that's going to make anybody laugh. Don't do anything that's going to be any fun. This is serious time, and you need, to, you need to just sit down and shut up and listen. And I was bored out of my mind. I was bored out of my mind. And so I'd get a little creative. And that was never smiled upon when I got creative at church. Because one time while my dad was preaching, I got down in the foyer because somebody was sick, and so they needed a volunteer to come in and help out with our class, and so they chose people in middle school, which happened to be my, they weren't even in middle school yet, but they somehow chose my sister, who was two and a half years older than me, to come in and oversee me in Sunday school, and I'm like, mm-mm, that's not happening. And so I went out into the lobby, and I laid down, and I lived a very sheltered life. I wasn't allowed to watch The Simpsons or anything, but I was allowed to watch Woody the Woodpecker. And so I laid down with my mouth just inches away from the doors of the church and did the loudest Woody the Woodpecker I constantly could just to listen to it echo in the lobby. And my mom looked over at my dad and said, who in the heck is making noises out in the lobby? It was me. It was me. 
And so they kicked me out of Sunday school for a couple weeks. So I had to go sit in the service, which, boy, I thought Sunday school was boring. Oh, my gosh. This was torture. Like, I'm not saying hell has ever looked appealing to me, but if heaven was going to be like that, I'm like, oh. And one of the greatest tools the enemy has ever used is to convince people that a life following God is boring, that a life following God is one that you have to be serious all the time, and you have to be scholarly and studious, and you can't laugh at anything. And I just want to tell you, the picture that we see of God is just the opposite. That God is a creator. That God spoke all of this into existence. That God created us. And when we think of the diversity that humanity has on display, and we look at the world around us and all the majesty that we see, there's nothing boring about a life following God. I just want to encourage you, use the gifts, use the passions that God has given you in your life. Create. Feel God's pleasure with whatever He's called you to do and with whatever passion He's designed you with. He hasn't called everybody to be worship pastors. He hasn't called everybody to be pastors at all. He's given us all incredibly different gifts. And so if God's given you a passion and an ability to understand finance, then you go make money and you feel the pleasure of God when you do it. Go be generous. And if God's given you a passion to fix things, then you go in and you fix whatever you can get your hands on and you smile and you feel God's pleasure when you do it. And you sniff the grease on the end of your fingers, just, just relishing the fact that, yeah, I fixed something, or whatever you guys do can fix things, because I can't, and I don't know what that's like. And if I get any grease on my hands, I'm like, I need a shop towel, right? No, that's just how God's made me. If God's given you a passion, if God's given you a passion and ability to be an athlete, and boy, he didn't give many of that to our Lakeside students because we kicked their butts in basketball on Wednesday night. And it's, de it's depressing if a guy who's almost 40 can school you on the basketball court, which is what happened. <sighs> it's true. Then when you play, then when you play, feel God's pleasure. God has created us with all these different things that the eternal God who's in control of everything, he spoke all of this into existence and he wants us to experience joy and he wants us to experience creation. And lastly, what do we do with this? We recognize our value and our worth to God. That God is a savior. That God is a savior. That before he created the world, before he created humanity, he knew there would be rebellion. He knew there would be sin. He knew there would be regrets in all of our lives. And he chose to love us anyway. Before the foundation of the world, 
the plan for our redemption was set in motion. That the eternal God, in the person of Jesus Christ, who is fully God and fully man, would come to the world that He would create to rescue the humanity that He created that rebelled against their Creator. That before God created the trees in this world, the plan was set in place that He Himself would die upon one of those trees. Because He loves us. Because He's given us a choice. And He's given us free will. Our God is a Savior, and the heartbeat of God saving us goes before He created any of this. That's the love that God has for you. That's the desire that God has for your heart and your life. That the eternal God made you even knew all the mistakes you were going to make along the way before you took your first breath and loves you more than you can ever imagine and ever fathom. And it's time that we embrace that fact. It's time that we embrace that love. Not as a license to go do whatever we want and be like, well, God knew I'm going to mess up my life. Woo! It's not how it works. But he loves us anyway. And our response to that love is not viewing it as a license to go do whatever we want to do. But our response to that love is to view it as motivation for us to honor God with the life that we live and to serve him. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We're going to unpack that in great detail next week. But before we did, I wanted us just to remember that our God is a creator, that our God is eternal, and that our God is a savior who has offered us all salvation through the work of his son, Jesus, which he put in place before he made this world and before he made us. God, we thank you. We thank you for our lives. We thank you for the ability that we have to just live. God, we thank you for all the passions and all the gifts that you've given us. Lord, we thank you for the diversity with which you've created us. God, we thank you for how good you are. 
being a God that we can't fully wrap our heads around and our minds around, being a God that we can't fully fathom and, and we can't fully explain, but a God who would meet us on our level. bring about a path for our redemption. God, I pray for the people here. I pray for the people online. I pray for anybody who's, who's struggling, God, because they follow you. They're holding on. They're holding on to their mistakes. They're holding on to their past. They're holding on to their regret. I pray, God, you would help them see themselves just a, just a glimpse, God. Even if it's just a glimpse, help them see themselves in the way that you see them. It's your love for them, your care for them, your concern for them. That not just before they took their first breath, you knew all of their mistakes, you knew all of their struggles, you knew all their shortcomings, but before you created anything or anyone, you already knew. And yet you love them the same. And Lord, I pray for the people who are here and the people who are streaming who've never made the decision to entrust their lives to you. God, they've never made the decision to follow you. And I pray today would be that day. I pray there would be no more delay. But right now, God, they would just fully receive your gift. They would fully receive and understand the fact that you love them so much that you came, Jesus, and died upon the cross for their sins and three days later rose again bringing about the plan that you had set in place before you created anyone or anything. And I pray, God, right now would be the moment that they just stop fighting it. And this would be the moment they decide to start following you. In the quietness of this moment in their heart, they would just receive that. They would just cry out to you, acknowledging their sin and their need for salvation and place their trust in you, Jesus. In your name we do pray.